0: what's up it's the plant remedy podcast this is chef Bay, and i'm so excited that you're here what's up how are you how's it going how's your day going so far if it's your first time listening i'm so grateful that you're here i thank you so much for clicking on our show deciding to hit play whether a friend sent you here or you were randomly just searching i'm just hyped to have you here if you're a repeated listener y'all are Y'all are family. Love you guys so much. I have just been digging on all of your comments from the podcast lately. And I'm just having so much fun. I'm having the most fun recording the podcast that I've ever had ever. We're just in such a good flow right now. You know, Steve, my husband, is the producer for the show. And we just have like such an epic flow going. And I love it. We do bi-weekly episodes. We have some incredible guests on. We've had an amazing couple months of the show, and y'all, we have some insane guests coming up as well. So there's just good things happening. There's good things that have happened, and there's more good things that are coming, and it's just exciting. You know, I never really thought that I would be here, so I'm grateful for you for spending the time to be here with me. With that said, if you do love the show, if it's your first time or you've been loving the show, I would absolutely be so freaking grateful if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or slap five stars on us over on on Spotify or of course share share with your friends your family people your work that you work with your co-workers or on social media honestly it helps get the word out there we work with very 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 little advertisers on the show we really just want to be able to help you connect with new people listen to new stories and it's really just such a big passion project for us so yeah, I hope you guys love the show as much as I love hosting this show because it really is just so much fun. Today, we're talking a lot about activism. And I love talking about activism and getting involved in activism because in a way, the show is just one big piece of activism. You know, like as someone that comes from traditional chef culture, someone that comes from working in traditional restaurants, someone that comes from Shit, my grandfather was a a World War II chef and a butcher. My great uncle was a butcher. You know, I come from like a long line of cooking animal products. And so for me, I've had this interesting relationship with my activism because there's a big part of me that feels like I should talk quieter, (laughs) if that makes sense metaphorically. And I know that that's so silly and that's not what activism is, but it can be really hard when you're going against the grain of not only what society deems as normal, but also um, your own culture. You know, I'm Polish, I'm Polish-Lithuanian, and then on my on my dad's side and then my mom's side, I'm like Eastern European, just, or European like everywhere my Gremel was like German and we were just all over the place. But regardless, a lot of this like heavy Eastern European food is very rooted in like butter and pastries and sausages. And it's very not vegan. It's like the most anti-vegan thing ever. So it's not really my culture you know like i think when i first turned vegan i remember my dad saying once like oh your grandma would be rolling around in her grave knowing that you're making pierogies vegan and now i know we think differently about this just because we know we know more but you know it really is going against the grain it takes a lot of courage to go against the grain and activism doesn't necessarily mean that You know, you're protesting every day or you're doing walkouts of your job or you're trashing your grocery store. Because oftentimes those pieces of activism, although they can create a lot of news and a lot of buzz, they're not that effective. And it can be costly, right? It can cost you money. It can send you to jail. Like there's a lot of risk involved with that extreme activism. And that's not what all activism is. Activism can be quiet You know, being an activist can be as simple as making daily changes and having hard conversations with your friends and family. Activism can also be like for me, my form of activism in this way is my recipes. You know, it's really showing people how to have delicious plant-based meals and changing everyone's mind about food. Because as much as I want to like scream and be angry and cry about what's going on with factory farming and animal agriculture and climate change and working conditions for agriculture workers, I know that the angrier I get, the less people listen, so I do activism with, with my food, and I think it's so important to think of activism in so many different ways and to not let certain stigmas of like being the angry vegan or the crazy crunchy granola environmentalist or the hippie chick or, you know... Whatever your form of activism is, whether it's for social justice, whether it's for foster care, like there's so many different ways that we can get activated in our communities to make this world a better place. Don't feel like you don't have a big enough platform or you're not doing enough or who's going to care what you say or why you, why now, or just wait for someone else to do it because no one else is really going to do it. (laughs) You know, it's like really up to us to make change in this world. And it can start right now. It's starting right here with you listening to this podcast, learning something new. That is a form of activism, is learning, being open-minded, you know, trying new foods, trying new things, you know, just whatever it is. So, that's what this show is all about. It's about activism. We are talking to an activist, obviously, <laughs> for this show. We're talking to Molly Elwood, and she really interests me because she is doing activism in the form of ex- like insane satire. She has this Instagram account called Elwood Dog Me, and we're going to talk more about it. But Elwood Dog Me is essentially a satire Instagram account that also sells merch. Um, that is making the comparison of cows, chickens, pigs, lambs, and goats, and fish to dogs, and basically saying that it's normal to eat dogs. And it's really interesting because in the United States, that's very frowned upon. It's illegal, right, to inflict purposeful harm on an animal like a dog. However, it's perfectly legal to inflict purposeful harm on a farm animal because they've been right? There's a domestic animal and then there's a farm animal. And when you look at like animal cruelty, there's a very big line in the sand of what, what animals were allowed to be cruel to and what animals were not allowed to be cruel to. And so what Molly's doing is she's she's blurring that line and she's trying to show, and she is showing people like if it's so normalized to eat a baby goat or a baby cow or a mama cow or you know, a turkey, turkeys are so intelligent, then why is it not normalized to eat a dog? Like, what's the difference? You know, why have we decided that one animal is good enough to be our family and one animal is not good for anything? right? It's only good to become food. And I think the interesting part about her story is that she freaking sends it. (laughs) Like she full sends it. And people don't realize that her account was satire. They get so angry at her. She's received death threats. She's, yeah, it's pretty insane because people aren't realizing they're not really making the connection. And I think the most interesting part too, is like, if you go to other cultures, other countries, they do eat dogs, you know, where there's like this interesting, um, I think I was talking to a, of someone else about the podcast. If you guys remember, let me know who said this, but they were talking about, you know, in India, you know, Indi- Indians don't eat their cows right they have dairy farms but they don't they don't kill the cow Um, but they eat cheese but what they'll do is they'll give the cow to let's say like their hindu neighbor or their christian neighbor or something and then they'll slaughter the cow for them so it's kind of like offloading that karmic guilt onto someone else who doesn't believe in the same karmic guilt or whatever same goes for i hope you get what i'm trying to say but the point is is to just look at what we eat why we eat and what we deem to be humane and why we deem that to be that way just based off of what a species, species is and that's what essentially what the term speciesism means is that you're very particular about who what species gets love from us and what species has a brutal like a horrific fate just based on the culture and i know this can be a really sensitive kind of topic because culture and religion play such an extreme part in why we treat animals the way that we treat animals. There are certain religions that just believe that animals are just here for our consumption, which is absolutely fucking ridiculous, but <laughs> that's just me, you know? I just I just don't believe that humans are so superior to everything and everyone else. And I think that that superiority-like mindset is getting us into such trouble with our environment it's getting us into such trouble with each other you know like one culture thinks that they're more superior than the other culture instead of just having compassion and empathy for all whether it's a bird a chicken your neighbor that has a different color skin than you if it's you know someone who lives across the across the world someone that has a different religion than you um or if you're looking in this case very specifically a cow versus a dog. So, without saying too much more, we're going in, we're talking about it, and I'm really excited about this guest. Again, if you guys like this video or have any comments, if you want to like dive deeper into this conversation, I would love it if you would send me a DM on Instagram at chef underscore bay. And let's, let's like talk all about it. Okay, before we get into this episode, I am currently in the middle of a raw till four experiment. (laughs) And I actually, it's not that much of an experiment because I do this every single year. I go raw vegan until 4pm until I want to. And I do this for a couple weeks at least. I think I'm on like week three right now. I'm feeling so good. And I do this because after a really slumped like Oh, slumped is such a funny word, but after a really kind of like cold winter, we've had so much rain here in San Diego, and I know it's not blizzarding, but it was like torrential downpouring in San Diego for months. I ate so much comfort food. Like I ate enough comfort food for the entire year, I swear. And so I do this raw till four thing because I want to eat as many alive foods as possible. So I eat, you know, raw fruits, raw vegetables, kelp noodles, seaweed, like I eat all the things and it just makes me feel so vibrant, clears my skin up. I sleep so much better. I have so much more energy. Like I've had this iced coffee that I've been drinking all day long because I don't even need the caffeine because I'm just feeling so freaking energized from it. Anyway, so I'm doing this raw till four and I've been talking about it on Instagram and y'all have been just like absolutely wanting to join me. So I am currently in the process of creating this raw till four course, and it's going to have shopping lists. It's going to have like exclusive recipes that are not on the blog, not in the cookbook. You can just get them on the course. And it's just going to be a whole new way of thinking about food. This is not me converting anyone to raw veganism. It's really just showing you a new way to appreciate fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seaweed and stuff like that. So if you're interested, be sure to head over to my website www.chefbay.kitchen. And there's going to be a little pop-up that's going to pop up and it's going to ask you to sign up for my newsletter. And that's the best way to be the first person to find out when this course goes live. I've had hundreds and hundreds of people like so hyped about this course, which you guys are motivating me to even make this in the first place. And it's going to be ready for for June so that this summer you can practice raw till four as much as you want and really just experience the Energetic aliveness that you experience when you eat foods in their uncooked, whole, raw form. So, yeah, I'm so excited. Go to www.chefbee.kitchen, pop up will pop up, enter in your email, and that's all you need. You'll be the first to find out. Okay, let's get into this episode with Molly. Take it away. All right, y'all. I'm sitting down with Molly Elwood. Thank you so much for coming to the show. I'm so excited to have you here.
1: Thanks for having me. This is really exciting.
0: It's great to great to meet you. I know. It's been a long time coming. We've been trying to record this episode for like <laughs> months now, I feel like. So I'm so glad we're finally making it happen. Yeah. So first off, how are you?
1: <laughs> it's a great <laughs> question to start. Co- I'm good. I am. Uh, I got a lot. I got a lot stacked up right now. So it's just getting through what I can do every day. Yeah. How about you?
0: Yeah. One day at a time. I kind of feel the same. You know, I have so much shit going on <laughs> Like every day I wake up and I'm like, realistically, what's going to, what's going to get done today. You know?
1: Yeah, I know. I make a to-do, to-do list that starts on a Monday. I'm like, how will I, what will I do all this week? And if I can at least get through my Tuesday to-dos by Friday, I'm feeling very good. I really should, I really should shorten them, but I'm just like, what if I were a superhero, what would I, oops, excuse me. That was my, definitely the table. <laughs> uh, yeah. being be like, what would I do today if I were a superhero? Uh, and, uh, definitely not just a human. So yeah, totally. Well, I think it's also like
0: being realistic with yourself too. And also mm-hmm. allowing time to like, you know, enjoy your life and to be fun. I had this realization the other day. I was like, looked at Steve, my husband, and I was like,
1: are we fun anymore? Like, <laughs> It definitely
0: just work or, yeah, you can yeah.
1: definitely, uh, have work encroach on everything else. And then suddenly go, what do we even do anymore? Yeah. Yeah. It's good to take time to I know. yourself.
0: Totally. And I think I had the realization cause I see people, you know, on TikTok posts, like all these things that they're doing and like getting ready to do all these things. And I'm just like, shit, like I'm just working. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> yeah, don't burn out. Don't burn out. The world needs you,
0: yeah, totally. Um, well, I would love to just know a little bit about you if our audience is unfamiliar with you and kind of like what you're up to. We're going to go all all in on all the things. <laughs> just kind of like an overall, you know, who you are, what you do, what you're about. Start yeah. there
1: all right. So uh, I'm Molly Elwood. Um, my yeah. background is in advertising. I've done uh, been a copywriter for uh, almost 15 years now. Um, but in um, August 2021, I launched a website, Elwood's Organic Dog Meat, which is a fake dog meat farm. Uh, we're humane and local and family owned, and we pretend to um, harvest dogs the way small family farms harvest cows and pigs and chickens and things like that. And so we have uh, a social media um, presents that, uh, drives non vegans crazy. They get very upset and we get death threats and things. And so my chief job every day is bothering people, I think, and trying to get them to, um, come face to face with their cognitive dissonance and, uh, hopefully make the change to veganism or at least plant the seed. So later down the line, other activists can help harvest that. So, yeah. Yeah. Taking harvest to a whole new world. Mm. world yeah.
0: <laughs> new yeah. So I love to hear about like your story when it comes to veganism. I feel like we all kind of get here through different paths. And yeah. you know, if you started in advertising, like how did you get to this point? To really just being so fed up with everything that you d- decided to start the most insane satire <laughs> ever.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I've been vegan. Oh my gosh. And I've lost track almost seven, seven, six years, seven years, something this, this year. Um, in past February. Um, I, uh, I grew up, um, pretty, I don't know if you say typical American, but like I grew up hunting and fishing. Um, I, I mean, typical rural America, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I went hunting once. So, I get to say I go hunting. I went hunting. Um, we had a meat freezer. We ate a bunch of meat all the time. Um, and I never thought about animals at all as being food, but I was massively into rescuing animals, um rescuing birds that uh the my cat had maimed or mm-hmm. rescuing worms from puddles I had <laughs> my friends and I were uh we called ourselves the worm patrol we were really cool and mm-hmm. we would go out on totally. recess and rescue all the worms from puddles uh because that mattered and then would go eat you know sloppy joes at lunch because that's right. different animals right yeah yeah um but um I went vegetarian a few years before going vegan and it was just Suddenly thinking about the way I like animals and just going, oh, maybe I don't have to eat them. I could just try it just to see. Um, and uh, I found it was really easy. Being vegetarian is so easy. There's always an option for you and everything's cheese and everything's great. And I was and going- and bread, I, cheese and bread. Oh, yes. She's impressive. So, <laughs> totally. <laughs> it is. It is. That's that's the, the vegetarian diet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought I was doing fine and I never thought any further about it. And in fact, I knew vegans, but the vegans I knew never talked about why they were vegan. I remember mm. asking one of my friends, I was like, Why are you vegan? He's just like, What he all he said was, he goes, I watched too many documentaries and I just don't want to be part of it. And I was like, No, oh, he's a health, health nut, I guess. I don't know. And then one night I was uh, um, scrolling Twitter and I saw um, a video of somebody sorting male chicks into a garbage can. And I was flabbergasted. I was like, what am I even seeing? And I Googled it and found out about the egg industry. And then I was like, wait a minute, why do vegans not drink milk? And then discovered in my thirties that just like humans, cows have to be pregnant. And I didn't know, like, we just think they're magical beings that yeah. make milk. Um, so yeah, it just kind of went from there and being, you know, that, that first few years of a vegan is you have to tell everybody, cause you think everybody's going to just fall in line with you. Cause they just didn't know either. Yeah. Enter um, angry vegan. <laughs> oh my God. It's a rough onboarding into veganism. We're all <laughs> Yeah, totally. <laughs> I a super um, similar experience. God, I think everybody does. I think it mm-hmm. all starts off where I'll just like, it, it, it's it's so life-changing, right? Mm-hmm. And especially when you come in it from the animal angle. Um, and being a writer, I was like, well, I'm going to write my way out of this. I'm going to, I'm going to have my, I'm going to have a blog and I'm going to write Facebook posts and I'm going to convert all my friends and family. And that didn't work. And so then I was like, I'm going to fight strangers on the internet and that's very time consuming and doesn't work. Um, oh. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. So yeah. I did some V I did some activism with like, you know, I went to I went to events and held signs and did Cube of Truth and um did uh, like I made a little vegan box and I hung it outside of my house because I was across the street from Trader Joe's and I put in like recipes and magazines and stuff and yeah. So anyway, I just got, I got kind of fed up and then had the idea for a bumper sticker and the bumper sticker was Elwood's Organic Dog Meat. And so the rest oh my gosh. happened.
0: Yeah. It's so wild. Like that first intro, I think, I cause I think a lot of non-vegans will see, and I don't also like to just like categorize humans as vegans and non-vegans but it's kind of hard to talk about it in this way without doing that i think like when you first go vegan you become the angry vegan it's super hard not to you like the veil gets lifted and you're just like holy fuck like for me i was so pissed at myself i think that was part (laughs) of it i was just so (laughs) pissed off at myself That I was like, damn it, like what the hell everyone needs to know about this. Every documentary I would watch, I would just cry for hours and hours and hours, you know, like even still like I go on social media and I don't actually follow. So Steve, my husband follows like all the intense like vegan stuff, slaughterhouse, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I like just can't handle it. But I watched videos of like pigs at sanctuaries and I literally will just sit there and sob, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and now I think I'm a more just like emotional, I keep it to myself kind of thing. I get a little fired up on social media once in a while, but yeah, when you first go vegan, you get pissed off. And I think that's what most people relate. Vegans, you know, that's why everyone's like, oh, vegans are just so Mm -hmm. angry, like blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, we're angry. You should be angry too. Like we're Mm -hmm. angry that you're not
1: angry. You know, I think that's where it comes from. But uh yeah, the other people are the worst part about veganism. I mean, <laughs> it's like, come on, <laughs> come on. I you just you want to believe in people and you want to believe in the goodness of people. And when they see male chicks sorted into a garbage can and they're just like, Well, that's just the price of it, you know, they're delicious. Mm-hmm. You're like, I will punch you. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I think it's also
0: like you know, seeing different stories. There's someone I really want to get on the podcast. She used to be a farmer. And, you know, I just saw one of her Instagram posts and she was talking about how she had these huge chicken lots and how she would like walk through the these huge lots of chickens and every single day they would pick up dead birds and just throw them into a trash can. And like Mm -hmm. the birds that weren't, what was she saying? She was saying like the birds that weren't like up to par or whatever, they would just take their fingers and just like snap their necks and then throw them in the trash can. And she was, she was like writing this in this post. And she was like, it was, she was like, I could never do that part. I always had my husband come over and do that side. Like we would kind of switch off. She's like, but now we use these huge you know, now they grow mushrooms and they've totally transitioned their whole farm to oh, being yeah. vegan. But she was talking about how, like, you know, she was actively doing it forever and she was like people think that chickens like come from this happy place or that it's totally fine she's like chickens come from the most fucked up disgusting unsanitary Mm -hmm. awful conditions and she's like all chicken meat is also dipped in bleach because it's so disgusting she's like people don't realize that and so I think you know we all have like these little moments of awakening and like listening Mm -hmm. to different stories of other people who have been in the industry I think it can be one of the most powerful things to show you that like you know, you can change too. Like if she could literally change these huge chicken feedlots to storage containers and grow mushrooms, like I think you can totally like switch your diet, but.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, I mean, and just thinking like, I think about who I was before going vegan and I used to host this party called beast feast that was all meat themed and friends (laughs) would come over and we just eat meat. And it was, it was animal themed and beast. It was weird. And just to go from that and being like, I'm thinking now, I'm like, I could throw that party again and it'd be vegan. How would they how would a vegan beast feast work? But just thinking that any I mean, nobody, nobody let me think about how to say this. It's that nobody's not going to be somebody who can't go vegan or won't go vegan. It's what is the thing that's going to reach them? I think that that kind of keeps me optimistic is mm-hmm. you know, even the even the people who send me just the most heinous mm-hmm. things in response to my dog meat farm um i get people who will send um pictures of coyotes they've shot or something and they're like well you weren't selling dogs so i got my own and i'm going even you even this person something will reach them maybe i mean that is someone who has like a lot of inner work to do <laughs> oh yeah hurt you know? people hurt, hurt animals
0: <laughs> and people yeah and people but yeah totally so let's talk about elwood for a bit like yeah Okay, so when Steve first showed me what you guys were doing, I was (laughs) like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) This is crazy. Steve, my husband, he's obsessed. Like, you don't understand. He's constantly reposting, constantly (laughs) sending me, DMing me. Like, he's obsessed, constantly talking (laughs) about what you're doing. Because, you know, he comes from, you know, Chicago. He comes from a place of no one fucking gets it. Whereas I'm from Boulder, Colorado. So like my family gets it a lot easier and like, they're more just susceptible because I'm from like the land of crunchy granola moms, you know? Yeah. But he likes it because it's just so intense. And I would love to like, so you started it from just kind of the concept of a bumper sticker. What made Mm -hmm. you want to just go full on and like full send and just do this? Because you (laughs) had to have known that you were going to get a lot of flack for it.
1: Yeah. Well, when it was just a bumper sticker, um, My husband and I had been um, living in different Airbnbs around the country for like two or three months at a time. And the idea of a bumper sticker that just, we, we were spending a lot of time in between places, we would be, you know, driving 16 hours. And we just thought that was very amusing. And you're thinking about pissing off, you know, 50 people on the road. And then you're like, only half the people will see it and get it. So it would be very fun and enjoyable. And then when it's kind of like when you make something just for yourself and in a vacuum and you don't think anybody's going to see it, you Mm. get to make it as genuine in the way you can make it the way you want it. I don't have anybody looking. I, I assumed nobody would ever see it. So making the website was something that was just, just for me. And one of the things that also I wanted out of it was I wanted to make a, um, a tool that I personally could use when I'm arguing with people and Mm -hmm. I could be like, I can just point to this thing. And then I don't have to have discussions with anybody. Um, So to go from that to having the social media go wild was very scary because, you know, for the first minute I'm going, what have I done? (laughs) Um, The first death threats, I was like, they were like, we know where you are and we're going to find you and we're going to kill your family. And I'm like, Oh my God. And then I, you know, the realization of no, they don't know where I am too. If they, Found my address, they will find I don't have a dog farm, let alone any dog. I don't even have a dog, so uh, it it was intense. And um, but at the same time, is I wanted it to be. I don't know. The other thing about it, not I don't, I don't know if it's because I've been in it too long now. Is I don't find it intense because it's just exactly the same content from farmers. I take the same content from farmers and from ads and from Instagram and i'm just switching the animal and i'm switching the the caption just a little bit so i don't know i've kind of become numb to the extremeness of it you know like to, the one that's going um doing really well right now is was a woman who had um some influencer who had gone on a turkey hunt and she's posing with the turkey and she's like i got this big turkey and then we had wild turkey burgers and bonded with our family and all I do is switch the animal and suddenly it's oh my god you're so extreme and how you know you really went for it and I'm like no I just it's what she did I just you just switched it minus actually killing the thing yeah yeah no killing anything yeah (laughs) Yeah,
0: minus minus that part so like how do you deal like so how did you first deal with those negative comments because I know that it can be especially if someone is listening wants to go on an activism journey or wants to go do something a little bit like yeah you know, I, you know, I've had this happen to me. How do you deal with the negativity? How do you keep going? You know, take deep breaths, like (laughs) just
1: fuck it, keep going anyway. Like what's your, yeah. Well, to be honest, you know, again, at the beginning it was scary, but this realization that the people who are mad at you are not mad at you. They're not mad at you, the activist, you, no matter what they say, even if, you know, The messages to me that are like you're the the people who know what it is and who are like you're a piece of shit and you're not going to change anything and I'm going to eat double whatever that person's not mad at me they're mad at they're mad at the system they're mad at you know the idea of changing and remembering that it's not personal and they don't know you and they don't know what's motivating you and knowing that your heart is um in the right place as you, as you do this work, I find being very, is very helpful to me. Um, the, the comments that have hurt the most that stick with me are from vegans, um, who, who are upset about it, but now also the, I don't know, it's just the quantity has gotten so much that the sting has kind of come off. It's like, I get the same eight, you know, emails that, that I could categorize according to what kind yeah. of hate they're going to have for me. And I just, because I've, because I have spent the time thinking, thinking through each, each, each argument and then really grounding myself and what is that response going to be? And I take the, I take the time, you know, you don't, don't just ignore it. If it, if it hurts, figure out why it hurts and walk yourself through, you know, y- what, how you would defend yourself against this person And then later on when the, when that attack comes in, you can choose whether you want to respond to them or not, but you know, in your heart that you, you've thought through this. So that, I mean, if that, if that helps, I guess. Yeah, totally. Well, I'm kind of being vague, but it's like, yeah,
0: it was kind of a vague question. I think too, like... You know, a lot of times, especially when you first get going, or if you have a post go viral for the first time or something that's pushing buttons, like you get a lot of energy at you and then you Mm -hmm. feel like you need to compartmentalize each person's individual energy, whether Mm -hmm. it's positive or negative or neutral or whatever. And I think over time you just learn that like, you can just put like a energetic barrier up and it's just comments, you know, like sometimes I'll answer every comment. Sometimes I don't answer any of them because it's like, if you read the positive comments, you have to read the negative ones too Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to filter them out. So there's like, you know, you were saying that, um, you get some hate from vegans. What's that all about?
1: Oh gosh. Um, well, there's the truth of the fact that dogs are slaughtered for Mm -hmm. food in other countries there and they're treated horrifically. And, um, there's the idea of using animals to you know it's like make making light of something in order to convey important information is bothers some people um but i do think that elwood's does more good than harm um i'm not increasing the amount of dogs being eaten well and also i don't think that uh, i'm not turning any vegans into meat eaters you know the the kind of they're like they're like you're going to increase demand for for dog meat and I'm like I don't think so I think the dog meat demand is probably right where it is and it'll probably be where it's going to stay and uh yeah so and and it's just hard the the idea of creating anything like this you're going to be you're going to be approached by people who who think it's an ego thing, or they think it's, you know, you're in it for money, or you're in it for something, you got to be getting something out of this. And um, it's funny that those people forget that I'm, I'm vegan first, like I'm here for the animals, I'm doing this for the animals. And wouldn't it also be amazing if it was also fun at the same time, like it doesn't, vegan activism does not have to be all dark and all sadness and all drudge, like the fact that this found some weird way to make talking about really hard issues um, that you can laugh a little. Yeah. That's yeah. It's. Um, and be that's like, one that's one of the things so fucking ridiculous.
0: I know I see some <laughs> of your posts and I'm literally, Oh my God, that's so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good point too, though, you know, because like when I first got into this and I was like, how am I going to turn my business vegan I'm so pissed right now. How am I going to be able to have these conversations with my clients? How am I going to be able to do this? You know, you do have to find like light in it.
1: It's Mm -hmm. the only
0: way to move forward. I don't think that you can be like a a voice for animals or a voice for the environment or even other people who are suffering with health issues because of eating meat and dairy. I don't think you can be a voice if you're so sad all the time. Like, I just don't think that that's possible, you know, and I think- you have to find light in it. You have to enjoy yourself on a Mm day-to-day basis. Otherwise you're just, it's going to be impossible to keep moving forward, keep putting one foot in front of the
1: other. You're just going to be like a mess, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think like this kind of stuff is so, um, I I mean the fact now I do this I do this every day now is my full-time job. And, um, some days, you know, you think about if you have a non-vegan job, there are some days you just go through the motions. You're like, I have this checklist I've got to get through, and I'm right. going to get through it. And that's what this is sometimes. And if if the thing that I cling to one day is the funniness of something, mm-hmm. um, and I don't consider the actuality of something the outcome is the outcome for the audience is the same. They're going to be shocked. They're going to have the, it might, you know, reach, reach a new person. And just because I didn't feel it that one day is it's, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. It, yeah. You don't, you don't have to feel, you don't have to feel it as intensely every single day because that doesn't, you're going to burn out. It doesn't help the animals. It, um, yeah, Yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I mean, anything that you're going for. I remember when I was in
0: college, I had another friend who was an environmental science major and she would literally come home from class crying like four out of five days of the week. Cause she's like, this is so fucking depressing. And that was like 12 years ago. So I can't even imagine what environmental scientists go through right now, you know? And it's like that aspect of like, you know, you have to be able to find some sort of You know, progress or joy or something in it Mm -hmm. so that you can keep going because no matter what you're fighting for, you know, I think this is a great like segue. I was going to ask you about activism. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people want to get into activism, but either they're burnt out from their jobs and their lives and they don't feel like they have the time Mm -hmm. or they're afraid to do it. So, like, what would your advice be for someone who is passionate about something, whether it be veganism or the environment or fast fashion? Yeah or the, their local park, I don't know, anything, anything, what would your advice be for someone to get involved in activism in a way that not only can feel them personally and like actually make a difference, but maybe
1: turn it into like their career and what they're doing professionally. Yeah. Um, I can tell you what, I can tell you what I did and I, and I think that it, you know, might resonate with some people, which is I took, I took a, a couple months where I didn't do anything I didn't do anything. And I just, I went through the, I went through the world and was like, as I was going through the world and I just kind of took note of what excited me and what made me mad and what stuck with me and what did I sit, I sit on for a long time that I kept coming back to. And then I coupled that with what are my skills? I'm I'm a writer. So what can I, what can I do as a writer to address these things? Um, And I think that if you find, you find a thing that is exciting to you, whether it is, yeah, fast fashion or um, the the cleanliness of your local park. And I think that we can, we can all do something and we're all afraid. We're all afraid of going, well, who am I to do this? Especially Mm -hmm. like, I remember when I went to my first animal rights conference and I'm around people who have been doing this for, you know, their, their life or, you know, 20 years, something like that. And I go, who? who am I to come in and add my voice to this? I don't, you know, I I think I should probably just stay quiet. But you, you don't know what an organization or a group of people needs until you speak up and you say, here's what I can offer. And you never know whether it's, somebody needs your accounting skills, somebody needs your design skills, somebody needs your, just your time. Somebody, if you know how to do spreadsheets, if you know, and you're excited about it, everybody all these all these organizations and all these pieces need need you we need whatever special thing it is you have they need it um so even before dog meet, i was thinking I, I volunteered for veg fund they needed a, they needed help writing things and so i wrote some articles for them um i volunteered for the uh american heart association they needed help writing auction item descriptions and i did that and it's just there. Are, if you If you find what it is that you can do um and keep your eyes open for opportunities, I think that you'll find something and And the thing about asking permission too is um, you know, the fear of doing something. I had um this thing I thought was really funny. I made a um a mobile billboard in Las Vegas where I just I looked around until we found somebody who would be willing to put a billboard up and we got one of those ones on the back of a truck that rolls around. yeah, and um. So we did a dog meet. I put a dog meet out on the side of it. And somebody asked me, who did, how, how were you able to do this? Who did you ask permission from? Like, don't you, don't you need to have permission to do this? I'm like, no, you can just do things. You know, you can, I mean, yeah, you could maybe find out if it's illegal, but after that, you just do things. You just, it's free market. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's great. It's great. People want your money to mm-hmm. advertise things.
0: Yeah. They're like, yeah, we'll put whatever you want on this billboard. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think,
0: I think to add to that too, like, I think there are so many issues, you know, and like when you go on social media, I mean, every single day there's, there's fucked up shit going on, whether you're Mm -hmm. looking from a social point, a animal point, an environmental point, a political point, like there are, fucked up things happening, especially these days. I don't know if it's just because information's going faster, but there are things happening every day. And I think, you know, especially in 2020, 2021, everyone felt like they had to publicly talk about every single thing. You know, they had to like share their stance and like, this is where I'm at. And like, you know, publicly be like, okay, I'm against this and this and this and this. And Mm -hmm. I think everyone got super burnt out on being a voice for whatever they want to be a voice for. Yes. And I think that what that taught a lot of us, myself included, is that you don't have to be a working activist for everything.
1: Right, right.
0: You know, like you can have an opinion and a stance and have baseline morals and ethics that you stand Mm -hmm. upon. And I think whatever level of activism you choose, I think some of those might be obvious, but you don't have to fight for every fight, you know? And I think that can be hard for people just getting into it because they can feel guilty It's like, oh, well, I'm fighting for the animals, but I'm not fighting for social justice or Mm -hmm. I'm fighting for social justice, but I'm not fighting for the political things that I believe in. And I think that's going to gas you out faster than anything else because especially comments like I, you know, I've gotten comments from people being like, how can you fight for this? But you're not fighting for this. Or, you know, these other people need Mm -hmm. you. You have such a big platform. Why aren't you speaking for this? Or like these people from my country are struggling. Like, why aren't you using your platform for this? And I'm just like, whoa, you guys like, yeah. I have chosen a level of activism when I want to speak on certain things, I will. But there's like, what, 8 billion people on this planet now? Mm -hmm. If everyone chose something that they were extremely passionate about, something that they wanted to change to make the world a better place, we could actually really get some shit done versus a small handful of people trying to change everything, don't you think?
1: Yeah. Well, and also the fact of everybody, everybody having a shallow opinion- and doing a shallow amount of activism, of act, <laughs> shallow <laughs> amount of activism across ten topics, versus mm-hmm. you, f- you find the thing that you're really passionate about and you dig in deep. No, I mean, not everyone's going to do that. Similar, like I think about, I and I'm going to bring on the comments. I think about the homeless issue. I mm-hmm. come from Portland, Oregon, which has a massive homeless issue, and. I don't know how to solve it. And mm. I know that I could, if I were passionate about that, that's what I could focus on. And I would have, I could have a, a good stance on it. But me focusing on veganism does not mean I don't care about it. It does not mean that I don't care about these people. And I, you know, there are people who are very passionate about that issue and they will spend their time on it. And you fighting for shrimp and that guy fighting for trees, you know, we're, we're all, fighting for for good and we -hmm. we every every important topic needs one person to be deep in on it and yeah so I totally agree with you that I, I remember that feeling like so burnt out trying to learn about all the politics of every single issue and then you've got COVID and it's just how do I I'm not an expert on these things I don't know how to speak on them and i it felt stupid talking about so many topics that I, don't, I you know, knew this much about, which is why like when I focused on dog meat, it made me feel so good because I'm like, oh, this is something I can dig deep on. And I could be, I could, I can tell you what happens to sheep. I can tell you from beginning to end what happens to sheep and somebody else may not have that. And, you know, it's, it's needed. So,
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And it's like, you know, that's how you let your skills like do Mm -hmm. their best work, you know, and then you can Mm -hmm. stay focused. So
1: anyone out there is listening. You just got to like pick something and send full send, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you can always change it. You know, you can learn a whole bunch about something and just decide this is not for you. And, you know, life is long and you can join a million groups in your lifetime. 100%. So funny. Speaking about activism,
0: I have a question here. Mm -hmm. You're going to laugh. I said, okay. I wrote down, what keeps you
1: going? How do you not sit in a corner and cry when you do your research? <laughs> oh my God. I'm filled by anger actually. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, I, I think because, because the, the place where I spend most of my time is farmer Instagram, um, hence the plaid. Um, I am so mad And when I find something that makes me mad, that's what I post. I find the thing that makes me mad. If, if it makes me sad, um, I don't know if it will have the same impact. Um, Mm. and so, um, but when I do, I mean, that's not to say, oh my God, I would, I had this incident. I was in Mexico on vacation and this is so funny i was in mexico on vacation i was watching these non-vegans cuddle a puppy and i was so mad because i'm watching them being just like oh it's so cute and blah 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 blah. and i'm thinking these people don't really care about animals they just like this puppy Mm -hmm. and in the background there was a donkey who was being just piled people were piling stuff on it for him to carry something up a hill and i'm holding this pu- they ha- they hand me the puppy i'd been drinking some beer and it just made me cry i was like the the contrast of them being like look at this puppy and i'm looking at this donkey and i just start sobbing and i go they go oh look she's moved by the puppy take a picture look at her she's so happy and i i actually stopped them i said this is my vegan moment my emotions allowed me to convey to them the seriousness of veganism. And I told them, I said, no, this is what this is actually about, is do you see this dog and do you see this donkey and do you see the contrast of their lives and how this is their entire life? And being able to use your emotions, whether they're anger or whether they're sadness or whether they're joy, and using that to convey the message of veganism to people on the outside who are so far untouched by the message, I think that's so important. So if you are sad by something, don't share it and just say, look at this sad thing, share it and say, this is how this makes me feel. And people may not empathize with the animals, but they'll empathize with you and they can they can feel your feelings when you talk about them. And um, so, yeah, if you are sad, sitting in a corner crying about something, I mean, I have one more little story like that was I was in a... Um, I was running errands for a job I was at, and we had to go to a farm and feed store. And I was like, I have to go see the chickens. I have to, I have to go like it's like bear witness. So I'm gonna go see them. And as predicted, in the little little bin that had the chicks that were delivered, there was one little bum bummer little chick who could barely walk. And I was in a scene, in a I was traveling for work. There's nothing I could have done. I could not, I could, I mean, I put something on. I put something on the vegan activist page in in that town to say, hey, can anybody help? But I'm leaving this town. So I'm seeing this chick. I'm very sad about it. And I walked away and then I went, wait a minute, this is a moment that I could share. So I went back and I videotaped that chick and I picked him up and I showed how limp and how weak this chick was. I put the chick back and then I asked the person who worked there, tell me about these chicks. And he told me the story. They had just been delivered. And there's always one like that. And that one will, that one will never make it, but it's okay because blah, blah, blah. So then, what I get out of this is this story that I can now tell my family and friends, and I put it on Instagram and be like, "This is your eggs. These even this is backyard eggs. This is the eggs that you think are nice and kind. This chick by now, that by the time you're reading this, is probably already dead." Yeah. Um, so using these using these emotions as touchstones to convey veganism to people, I think yeah. is very important.
0: Totally. What do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions from small farms? I mean, especially like The amount of comments I get every day that's like, oh yeah, like don't get dairy from big farms, get it from small farms, like meet your farmers. So like, what do you think from your perspective is some of the biggest misconceptions of buying from a small farm versus a larger farm?
1: God, the idea that animals don't die on a small farm is very funny. Like what you still have, you still get down to the end. You're like, well, what happens to them? And that's kind of what the dog aspect is, is no matter how humane and loved your dog was if i think think about the treatment of your own if you have a pet dog and how loved that dog is if you harvested that dog right now everybody would still be outraged you're like no no he was named and had a bed everything was great and then i Mm -hmm. killed him for no reason like that Um, but when you get down to what happens on family farms I was re- my eyes are really open. I used to work for um Farm Sanctuary um as a writer there and I got to edit their rescue stories and how many of their rescue stories were from backyard you know small family farms you know the idea that a small family farm is not going to um, uh, prioritize money over the life of the animal you know that it's it's still expensive to get a vet to fix a cow that's sick so Mm. if the price is not going to if it's not going to pay off the animal will be destroyed um and every step of the animal's life is this measurement of of money versus money put in versus money coming out if if it is a small i mean i think about like the smallest like i we have family friends that have cows and I think even him, like even this guy who has got 10 cows just for fun, because he wants to get back to his roots. He's not going to put, he's not going to put $5,000 into a cow to fix mm-hmm. the cow. I don't know. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. I
0: had, um, we were talking about it before we got on, but I had Bobby said on the show and he said, really, he's, he just speaks really well about this stuff, but he said, you know, people think something humane happens between, you know, the family farm and the slaughterhouse or something mm-hmm. humane happens between the time it gets from the family farm to the time it gets to your plate. And like yeah. nothing humane happens in that point, right. you know, at, in a way you almost make that cow, like such an individual by like loving it and naming it. And then you mm-hmm. betray it at the end right. of its life, you know, and that to me is insane. Like I right. know people who are farmers too. I know people who are like so deep in it, they're like, oh, they're we love them, like blah, blah, blah. It's fine. But it's like you're literally betraying the animal by right slaughtering it. And then I think the thing that like just kills me is like, it's like, but then you you eat it and then that's it. Mm-hmm. It's this thing that happens so fast. Yes. Like
1: this whole animal's existence just comes down to moment. a five-minute meal. That you might only eat half of, or you might overcook and you might throw away, you might leave it, you might leave it in the fridge and it goes bad. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know I, I was, I was watching somebody eat a ham sandwich while, uh, like waiting for a bus and just that, like that little flash of his whole life, his whole life for you eating a ham sandwich while waiting for the bus when you could have eaten something else and it would have been, you could have absent eaten anything and
0: mm-hmm. it would have
1: been just the same to you. Ah, oh. yeah. Yeah. Dog meat. That's a dog meat post right there. I got to write that. <laughs> I know. Right. So I, what was I even
0: going to ask you? I don't even know. I'm getting like lost in just like this conversation about all this stuff. Cause I just, <sighs> I think it's so important. I mean, it's 2023. You know, I think we're so focused on, you know, if it's organic and like how many Mm -hmm, pesticides mm -hmm, are sprayed on things mm -hmm. and like where our food comes from and all that stuff. And I think when it comes to meat, we don't really think about it. Or I've heard a lot of like, I have this friend who was a hardcore vegan and now she eats meat. It's the most bizarre Mm -hmm. shit I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. But when she talks about the meat that she's eating, she says, This this beef, I, I can't help but laugh. She says this beef was grass, grass fed and grass finished. Like she oh, always yeah. says grass finished.
1: And I'm always grass like, finished. the fuck does that even mean? Oh, it means they didn't go to a feedlot at the end. They were like, you know, or if they went to the feedlot, they were still fed grass. They're grass their I grass, guess. grass. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just, I don't know. Have you, you're from Colorado. You've probably seen the feedlots in Colorado oh, yeah. and, and you're just driving past. It's just masses. I mean. Yeah. It's nuts. Well, Colorado's not so bad. I would say.
0: The worst in New
1: Mexico, the
0: worst is on the five in California Mm -hmm. from LA to San Francisco. It is nuts. Like it's literally so crazy. Like how many cows are there at the smell? And the thing that like, the thing that makes me like the most freaked out by it is like, that's also like right next to where they're growing like oranges and almonds and like Mm -hmm. all Mm -hmm. of these other things where, you know, I think I don't know if they're necessarily like downstream
1: from it, uh-huh. but like that's insane. That's a lot of methane. That's a lot oh. of like. It's yeah. so funny. It's so funny because I've been. I'm getting ready for another podcast interview with somebody who's kind of it's more of a health bent, and I heard them talking about that that the way into uh the way into veganism for them they think is is health. That's that's the way people go forward,
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: you hear them talking about the environment and you. These, these aspects that when you're trying to um, do the science behind it and it's just so like nitpicky about the numbers and the how much water and just how much methane is going in the air and stuff like uh, that when you stop talking about the animals you lose sight of what's actually happening and I think that by focusing on the animals you you and you get people who are very who who, who care about the animals will be more likely to stick with veganism but Like for me going into veganism, just seeing how much, how many things it touches was just mind blowing to be like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, this is an environmental issue. This is a health issue. This is a people issue going through these towns that just smell like cow shit. And you're like, that's your whole life, your whole life. You are living in cow shit town and your kids are affected. I don't know if you've seen the documentary, the smell of money. Um, It just came out. I don't think so. (laughs) It is about um, the North Carolina north carolina pig farms and its impact on residents there and the asthma and the so many other things that are happening to the residents because of this and it's just devastating yeah i mean and, you yeah. lo-
0: you look at the statistics the statistics of you know towns that are focused around a slaughterhouse because a lot of times there's not much else. It's literally just a slaughterhouse yeah. because they try to isolate them, have yeah. the highest rates of su- suicide, domestic abuse, cancer, right. like all that stuff. And right. so you realize that like people are being so negatively affected by this as well, you know, and there's even a um, this report that just came out saying that there are preteens and children as young as 10 years old being used as child labor in the meat Mm -hmm. industry, which is so crazy. And back to that point that you talked about when it comes to health. So I, I went to veganism for health, Mm -hmm. um, when I first started and you're right, Mm -hmm. like there's so much nitpicking that's going on. There's so many people like throwing like papers in your face and then sending you influencers Mm and people talking about the opposite Mm -hmm. thing that you're talking about. And Mm -hmm. like You know, when you really get down to it, a lot of, a lot of the stuff has been uncovered lately, but I don't know if you've heard of the carnivore MD.
1: Yes, I do. He's
0: literally the worst person, but you know, it's been, He, he makes great content for dog meat. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure mm-hmm. you get a lot of info. From it. mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's come out that he's being paid by the beef industry to spread mm-hmm. lies about meat. You yeah. know, they they're spending on average around ten million dollars a year to pay influencers to talk about how beef is the best thing that you can eat. Mm-hmm. And of course, it, it's it's all bullshit. You know, yeah. and people are following this guy and being like, oh my god! Like ever since, you know, ever since. I found you. I just feel so much better. And like, I was a vegan for 10 years and you've just really opened up my eyes to like, and it's like, no, this guy's literally getting paid to lie. He's literally Mm -hmm. getting paid to lie. Not only that, he's a psychiatrist. He's not even a doctor. So like, Mm -hmm. why is everyone listening to him? You know, there's like, it's so wild. But when you see how desperate, like the, the meat industry is, you kind of realize
1: like, okay. Like,
0: you know, the dial's moving. Yeah, it
1: is. It definitely is. Um, I me mean, just see the response to the Aubrey Plaza wood milk ad that she put out and everybody people are like even even non-vegans are just like I don't know got milk it's not really working on me anymore I there's other things that I want to drink this is not good no. also she made wood milk look really good I wanted it it made <laughs> me want an oreo milkshake so yeah when I first saw that that
0: commercial if you guys don't know what we're talking about just go to Aubrey Plaza's instagram she's an actress um she just did a campaign for got milk but she was essentially making fun of vegan milk Mm -hmm. and i like didn't it's so funny i'm so done sometimes i like didn't get it at first i was like
1: what the fuck is this video even like what's happening here i don't understand this is so bizarre well because she was trying it was trying to make It was trying to make wood milk look bad but they didn't go far enough like it it it, would have been better if it was like mushroom pus milk or something you know it's got to be something that you are automatically are grossed out by but it was you know she's like milk coming out of a tree and you're like "Mm, then actually
0: well and everyone's like everyone's like so maple syrup yeah (laughs) (laughs) like that's the true i know a pine tree sounds pretty nice you know around christmas Nice, pine, yeah. nice pine milk. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. what's next for you? What's your plans? You know, oh yeah, you're you're all in on the activism uh,
1: front. Like, what's yeah. next? Uh, well, we are Elwood's organic dog meat is going to be at every vegan um, coming up so if you aren't familiar go to vegandale.com uh, we will have a dog meat booth there which is really fun because majority of people who go to that it's a if you don't know it's a um, music and uh, food festival around veganism uh, but people go and they're not vegan because it's a music and food festival and I think rich is it Rich, rich Ross ritual rich, roll? rich the, who, every damn hustling I guy Rick Ross. Rick Ross. I'm bad with names. He okay. will be at the Chicago Vegandale, um, okay. which is really exciting. Um, so yeah, get tickets to go to those. Um, and it's fun because we do a lot of uh, a lot of outreach. At, last time at Vegandale Chicago, somebody, a drunk man cleared my table off because he was so mad that we were selling dog meat. And uh, he had a good come to vegan moment. It was beautiful. He was crying. <laughs> Are you guys
0: selling like Beyond Burgers or something? No, we're not
1: selling anything. We're selling t-shirts and stickers and then we'll have have jerky samples, but my sign says really big free samples. And so people come up and they think I'm giving out treats for dogs. And I'm like, oh no, that would be cannibalism. And uh, (laughs) it's fun. Um, The other thing is uh, I started, I added a page onto the website, elwooddogmeat.com backslash farmhands, and it is a place for activists, activists to go and uh, make their own Elwood dog meat uh, activist stuff in their own neck of the woods. So you can um, do a dog meat tasting because you have, I have all the signs you can download and print. Um, there's free posters. There's free business cards you can download. Um, and also I am working on translating the website into other languages right now. We have, um, Oh my God, we have Spanish. We have people in Spain. We have people in Finland who have translated the website and they are running social media accounts for them. And so I'm looking for more people in other countries to do that. Um, And it's, it's a lot of fun. And we have now uh, like, we have a little WhatsApp. I have other farmers that I work with now and we're all sharing content and it's just so, so joyful. I love that. You know, I just
0: had Miyoko on the show from Miyoko's Creamery.
1: Oh, wonderful.
0: And she was talking about how like lukewarm activism doesn't get shit done so Mm -hmm. you are definitely like not lukewarm you're definitely (laughs) going all in oh thanks and you know we just gotta fucking send it that's like my that is literally my motto for 2023 (laughs) just send it like who cares
1: you know Well, I think that we, we put such, um, we put such barriers up for ourselves. Like I was really scared being like, at the very beginning, I'm like, do I even dare show meat? Is that disrespectful to animals? Because this is an actual animal whose body I'm showing. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, am I actually offended when non-vegans put a steak response? I'm like, hell no. You know what? I'm going to take that back from them. I'm going to show you meat. I'm going to make you mad. I'm going to butt bacon you. So, yeah, Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, I finish every podcast episode at the speed round. So I'm just going to ask you a bunch of random questions and you just let me know the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. You ready? Okay. I'm ready. What's your biggest passion outside of your job?
1: Oh God. People watching. I really love people watching. I love that. It's so good. It's so weird, (laughs) but... Where do yeah. you people watch the best? Um, I'm right now in New York City and I love being on the subway on Saturday night when people are drunk. It is just joyful. I That's good. That's mm-hmm. good. I love that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, what is a big, big personal goal that you have for yourself this year?
1: Oh gosh. Trying to turn my inner monologue positive. Um, I did this last year where, you know, anytime your inner voice would be like, oh, you moron. I try and be like good girl, we got this, you know, and be the voice of, be the voice of the, the champion you need. And I did actually did that at Chicago vegan Dell last year, because it was, I was so stressed. It was so much work to do for one person. And every time, every time something went bad, I was like, we got this, we got this. I know you rented a car that's too small to fit your band. Don't worry, we'll figure it out. And it actually, everything turned out. And when I was done, I was like, good job. We did good. Yeah. And it was, it the outcome's the same, except for I'm happier. So Mm. yeah, trying to really keep that focus. Yeah. Being your, your own best friend is really the only way to get through life. You know, it it is. They're the only person who stick with you, you know, they know your intentions, your intentions, you're you're stuck with you, whether you like it or not. So no kidding. No kidding.
0: (laughs) Okay. Uh, where's your favorite place in the world?
1: Oh my God. I've been to a lot of lovely places. I don't know if I could say my favorite overall, but the most exciting place I went was so random is Port Royal, South Carolina. Um, and I was there, I was there during, um, during the spring and I was near this marsh where I watched, um, all the alligators and I watched, it was, I was there for, I was there for two months. So I watched the birds, mate. I watched them build their nests. I watched their birds, their babies being born. I watched them learn to fly. I watched them learn to fly and get eaten by alligators. Like the drama of the life of, and the frogs and the snakes and everything. It was just, I was so excited. And that was a time when I, I wasn't doing any activism. It was just before dog meat. And I feel like this was this incubation of being an observer of the world and being like, I could just sit here and not do anything and watch the world wash over me. And it was beautiful. So Anybody who gets a chance to go to Port Royal South Carolina in the spring. Beautiful. Wow, that's the most specific thing
0: I've heard ever for <laughs> <laughs> that question. So I appreciate that. That's definitely yeah, going just... on the list. Although the alligator thing, like I don't know that might be Oh my god,
1: they're so exciting and fun to watch. They're just They're insane. They're they're so ancient and so un unrelatable and then at the same time relatable, which is so cool. <laughs> oh my god, I love that. Okay night in or night out
0: night out Mm. yeah definitely yeah I love that
1: okay but since you said night out like what's your ideal night out oh I really like doing lots of things uh like in in a row like go go for drinks then go do with like go watch a movie or a play or stand-up comedy and then afterwards then you have dinner and you talk about the thing that you saw and then you go people watching and then you walk home and it's just all of the little the little little vignettes that you're going to go through through that evening is really fun.
0: I love that. So and you live in New York? I have just moved here, yes. Oh, and so it's awesome. even more exciting. Oh, city life. You know, I just moved kind of to the suburbs of San Diego and like mm-hmm. it's fucking weird. I lived in San Francisco <laughs> for a long time, lived in the city in San Diego, yeah. and now I'm just like in this quiet neighborhood like What's going on? There's nothing going
1: on here. This is bizarre. You don't have to drive everywhere. It's very weird. Yes, I know. When we were traveling, um, so we came from Portland and that would be like a night out we do in Portland is like Mm -hmm. dinner one place and desserts another place, and then you know, go to the park or something like that. And then when we're in these rural spots, it'd be like, Well, it's five o'clock. What do you want to do? And you're like, uh, do you want to walk around with a beer in the woods? Like
0: that's So funny. That's literally yeah. my life. My Steve's been having existential crises once a week because we live like in a suburb. It's yeah. it's, it's weird. I don't know how yeah. long we're going to last. Yeah, you
1: got to <laughs> give it some time and see how it works and find, you know, to, to, to find clubs. I don't know.
0: Something. I don't know how people have kids and then live in suburbs because then you're really trapped, you know? Yeah, but maybe the kids are
1: entertaining. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know.
0: Anyway, anyway, we'll go back to the questions. Okay, what's your favorite way to unwind? I'm assuming a beer, walking through the woods. Walking
1: through the woods, yeah. (laughs) Uh I definitely shouldn't be relying so much on alcohol, but I've been enjoying that lately. Uh gin and tonic. Uh, Mm -hmm. Love a good gin and tonic. Yeah, uh uh reading. Or watching watching a movie that I've like watched a million times. I just this is so stupid. Last night I I turned on Look Who's Talking, which I probably haven't seen since I was ten, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my god, this feels so nice. Yeah, it's so it's like very comforting. problematic. I've only gotten halfway through it, and they've already had some problematic things. But yeah, hey,
0: kind of most thing. the old like TV shows and like films that we oh, love are the most god. problematic.
1: Oh my god, so went, problematic, especially we the nineties. Oh, man. Oh we went and saw um, Little Shop of Horrors at a movie theater, and it was fun because they gave us all whistles for us to blow every time something was problematic, and at some point they had to tell us to stop. They're like, okay, guys, this was a, it was an experiment, but it's too much. We're not going to be able to watch any of this movie if we can. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you did a drinking game, everyone would just be like blacked out ah. by the time they left, yeah. yeah. All right. What are your top three things to buy at the grocery store? Oh, uh I'd say fruit is, is, is it's own, it's own item. Um, I really like fake meat. I really like buying fake meat in the store. Um, I used to work at impossible. Okay. And, um, so that has made me want to try everything, everything new that is coming out from every brand. So have you
0: tried meaty? no. It's so good.
1: It it's M-E-A-T-I.
0: It's made mm-hmm. like from mushrooms. Their ingredients are super clean. And it's so good. I really
1: love it. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I realize also I need to be taking more pictures of my fake meat and saying it's dog meat and be like just more cooking. Yeah. I need to be do more cooking stuff. Um in plant-based milk. And I really oh. like switching it up. I don't like buy the same thing every time. So it's like oat milk and then it's soy milk and then it's I love the that. cashew milk. And yeah. Yeah. Which is elite in my opinion. The cashew, oh, milk. yeah. Cashew is the most, it's the bougiest of all of them. And you just like, oh, I drink it from a wine glass.
0: Oh, it's so good. I know when I develop recipes, like I know I need to make them like more, mm-hmm. you know, like not just cashew, but if mm-hmm. I could develop all the recipes with cashews, I would.
1: <laughs> it's so good it's so creamy yeah so good
0: okay yeah. two more questions if you could change one thing about the world what would it be
1: well obviously everybody would be vegan um i think i want it's so it's, oh it's so trite but i want everyone to be nicer to each other you know and even even that that even means vegans being nicer to people it's funny because the some of the attacks that Elwoods has gotten from vegans who think it's real. I'm Mm -hmm. like, do you, I'm like, I respond as a vegan. I'm like, do you think you're going to veganize anybody by talking that way? Like I'm, Mm -hmm. this is, uh, this is not moving the needle for me. So, um, yeah, I wish, I wish people would be more empathetic with each other. 100%. You have to meet people where they're at, you know, Mm -hmm. we all Mm -hmm. come from different places and have different views on the world. And yeah, I totally agree. Okay. When you're, when you're mad, you can just like, you you scream off to the side and then you come back and be like, let me help you. Let me talk calmly. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Okay. Final
0: question. Do you have any final words of wisdom for our audience?
1: Oh my God. Uh, find, find the thing that gets you, gets, gets you excited and, and, and pursue it. Don't, don't be afraid to, uh, don't be afraid what other people will think um just try it because what's the worst that's going to happen um if you're into mischief do mischief if you're into art do art if you're you know whatever it is do it um and you know the and the, the results will speak for themselves so yeah
0: 100 thank you so much for coming on the show thank you so much for having me this was lovely okay Thank you so much, Molly, for coming on the show. I'm so just, I love these episodes, you guys. If you want to learn more about Elwood Dog Me or join the movement, be sure to click on the show notes links or you can head over to my Instagram and I will definitely be tagging her in there in my stories all week long. And of course, again, if you guys love the show, please, please, please tag us over on Instagram. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, five stars on Spotify, like these tiny little things that only take you a couple minutes means literally the world to me, to Steve and to the guests on the show because it just means that more people get the availability to find the show and listen to the show and it really just honestly means the world. Thank you so much for being here. I am going to do a solo episode next. So if you have any questions or any topics you specifically want me to cover in this next solo episode, be sure to drop it in my DMs on Instagram, or you can send me an email over at info at chefbay.kitchen. Again, that's info at chefbay.kitchen. And yeah, you guys, that's it. That's that's all she wrote. Thank you. And again, if you guys want to become an activist in your own way, but you aren't sure where to start, also send me a DM. Let's talk about it. Let's get you started in a way that works for you and that can help, you know, support whatever movement you are super passionate about. Okay, guys, don't forget to eat your greens. I will see you super, super soon. Have a great day. Bye.